0: Business is simple, it's just not easy. We focus on three things to help you run and grow your business more easily. Talent, sales, and how to scale. Can it be that simple? Talent, develop a robust recruiting, vetting, and training process to help capable people and then help them to become who and what they wanna be. Sales, have a logical go-to-market strategy Build the sales and marketing structure and plan around it and then attack and execute the plan with fanatical consistency, scale, know where you're going, why you're going, share with others why they would want to join you. Be clear on who's allowed to join you and what they'll need to do to stay on board. Anticipate roadblocks, avoid them before you get stuck, and then when you do hit one, and you will, stay calm, problem solve, and find resources to get unstuck. Sounds simple, right? Simple to understand, but not easy to do. Join us as we focus on tips and tricks and hacks for running a profitable, hypergrowth business. We'll share real world horror stories and celebrate the victory sagas that will inspire you. This is the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. All right, so we have the man, the myth, the legend, mm-hmm. John Rosso from Sailor Training. So welcome, John. Thanks, Brian.
1: It's nice to be here. It's been a little while, probably a couple of months since we've chatted, so I appreciated the invitation, and I'm psyched. Yeah, um, um, so for all of you listening, uh,
0: John Rosso is one of the best, if not the best, if I can say that, uh, sales trainers from Sandler Training. I was a client of his. I worked with his, him. He's tutored and mentored uh, me. So he has unbelievable tips and tricks. So if you're looking for sales training, John is your guy to go to. So uh, with that said, let's jump into it. So most, unless if they read your book, which is?
1: Prospect the Sandler Way, number one Amazon bestseller, sold over 50,000 copies. But yeah, it is a good book, actually. Uh, Prospect the Sandler Way, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on our site, which is uh, www.performance.sandler.com, performance.sandler.com. But it is a good read.
0: Yep. And this is this is virtual selling right here on the spot. So, love it. so um, what we're going to do here is why don't you give us a little bit of background? I mean, h- how did you get into this? How did you become an expert in this? Give us uh, give us the backstory. Why should people pay attention?
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a constant uh, grind to stay an expert and to be good. The world is changing. You see it with COVID. Uh, I am completely qualified because I have an English degree. What what more do I need to say? Uh, Back when I was going to school, uh, the major was called pre-unemployment. That was the name of the major. Yes. Uh, Because when you graduated with an English degree, but I I went into encyclopedia sales in New York City, which was a great baptism of fire. Uh, Ended up at IBM, spent 11 years at IBM selling sales management, sales training, and uh, Started Sandler, my Sandler business in Pittsburgh, uh, where you are, I now live in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, 26 years ago when my hair was Brian Whittington's color uh, <laughs> and uh, and have had a chance over the last 26 years to train over 300,000 salespeople. Uh, and it's been a whole lot of fun. And and I think the mindset that I've been preaching lately and Salesforce.com did a study on uh, above average high-performing salespeople are like 10 times more effective than average salespeople. And so that's my mantra. That's my mindset is, is I want, I want to train 10 Xers. and I want to be a 10 Xer. I want someone who's able to be 10 times more impactful, uh, can change the world at 10 times greater speed, can, uh, can help my clients in a 10 X format can be more productive. So that's, that's the mindset. So give us a little bit about that. I mean, you are one
0: of the most disciplined people that I've I've ever met. So how did you get that? I mean, how did you develop that um, self motivation? What what really gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: (laughs) Well, that's two different stories. Of what gets me out of bed and what how do you develop the motivation. The motivation was feed my family. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I, it sounds like we're joking, and it's easy to say these days. But you know, when I left IBM, my, my I was married. I am married to the same woman for 33 years. Let's not make any confusion. But we were. We, we had uh, my oldest is 29. Uh, at the time, he was three. My second oldest was one. I now have four kids. Uh, and uh, I had left IBM, my wife, uh, uh, we had decided mutually she would stay at home and sort of raise the kids. So there's no income coming in. You, you, you know, you had to kind of find a way to succeed. And uh, and so with that, I think one of the best things that happened to me is I decided I would be coachable. And by coachable meant meant, Listen, there are people in the sales training business at the time who were scads and scads and mountains and mountains more effective than I I am. Why prejudge everything they say? Let me find some mentors, some peers, and then let me let the way they act determine the way i feel instead of de- instead of prejudging everything we talk Brian as you know about the belief wheel and head trash and it's not what you don't know that hurts you it's what you think you know for sure that just ain't so and and so that really helped because it forced me out of my comfort zone immediately and i failed a lot but i was certainly willing to go up uh, get to the bat and get up to the plate a lot. And I would coach and debrief every single sales call. Uh, so that was what got me out of bed then. Uh, and that's only going to last for a certain amount of time because after a while you got enough money to live on. And, and so, you know, what gets me out today is, is I'm, I, I again, I am pumped to be, does it mean I am, but I am pumped to be the best in the world at staying likable, relevant, consistent, and finding a way to be a 20x return on investment for committed business owners and and salespeople and clients. And it's exciting. It keeps you young. Every day is a a new day, and you draw energy from your customers.
0: So... uh there's a ton that we can go down that path. So, I'll, but I want to try to keep it on um, how to sell virtually today. But uh, before we jump off of this, what's that, what's your life motto? I mean, what's, what do you really stand for? And, and I might even give some feedback from you, uh, for those out there, because I'll, I'll let you answer first and I'll, I'll pitch, I'll, I'll chime in.
1: Yeah. So, so Brian, we've talked a little bit in the past. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I in fact heard a speech from someone who used to work for Zig Ziglar, and uh, in it, uh, he said Zig had once said, "On my tombstone, I would like I would like it to say he was consistent." <laughs> you know? And I yeah. think, I think that's, that's my, my watchword, right? My watchword is consistency. Uh, if you can define it, you can do it right. If you can do it, you can be held up. You can hold yourself accountable to it. You can track it and you can measure it. And so again, the mantra is, uh, do, do a think, be, be a thinker, not just a feeler. A, I mean, it, be a doer and a thinker, not just a feeler. A doer says, let me define the outcomes that I'm looking for. Let me then define the path to get there, the behaviors and the activities, and then let me do them regardless as to how I feel and regardless of the circumstances, COVID or otherwise, Uh, instead of having to think and feel, right? A feeler says, you know, I I just don't feel like people would be receptive. I don't feel like this is gonna be the right time. I don't feel like these are the right words and you outthink yourself. And so my watchword is consistency.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, for those of you who don't know you, um, or for those out there who don't know you, John, John had gone through a number of different things, personal and otherwise, and he is authentic. He is through and through the most consistent, disciplined person. And like you said, likability. so I, I think a lot of virtual, so let's tie this into sure. a virtual stage. Sure. I, I think a lot of that goes into likability, um, and it doesn't matter how you feel. Um, you might have a line, something about uh, Broadway play. How's that one go?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, what it says is is selling is a Broadway play Uh played by a psychiatrist, which is a Sandler line, which essentially means, listen, selling requires you to know your lines, not that you need to be inauthentic, and it, it requires uh, the discipline to understand psychology, right? I mean, I love the word of, uh, authenticity. I think about authenticity, respect for the individual, excellence, discipline, continuous learning, humility as the core values that I espouse and try to live to. Do I fail on my values? Yeah, of course. Um, but to me, that that's the constant affirmation to live Within those values. And, and inten- intention counts every bit or, or not, or even more than technique. Right.
0: So, and I wanted to hit that right there, exactly what you said. If I'm intentional, is that still being authentic? If I don't feel like it, and i'm intentionally being likable if i'm intentionally doing certain things because i know that's what's required is that still me
1: being authentic john for me for me it is i mean uh, here, here's an example i i constantly fight in quotes with people who who let their own ego get in the way of helping uh uh a customer, a client, or a prospective client. These are people who, um, who are subject matter experts. They're good at what they do. They're often sought out because of their expertise, yet they're uncomfortable talking to you about an additional opportunity within your company or a, or a new opportunity or a referral. And I say, that's a little arrogant if you think about it. You're sitting there as a subject matter expert and thinking, well, salespeople might be pushy. Um, I think it's an arrogant thought to be able to sit there, have all this gold in your chest, the ability to truly help a client succeed. And you're in your own way. You're not willing to have that conversation because you're worried someone may look at you differently. Let's get out of our own way. Let's be intentional in authenticity. I think think they're running on parallel tracks for me. Uh, There's no disconnect. They are not perpendicular, whatever the the math works out. <laughs> you know, they're they're aligned.
0: Yeah, you're an English major. Don't worry about <laughs> That's it. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because the way I look at it is, uh, if we're in a bad mood, we're not going to go up to somebody and go, Oh my gosh, today sucks. I hate it. Hey, would you buy something from me? Mm-hmm. We're acting and putting on on shows all the time because if we don't, then we're not really serving them. So we have to be authentic about others' focus, is what you're saying, or I don't want to put words in your mouth.
1: No, I think I think I think you're right. Uh, you know, another. Line that you've heard us say is no one cares about you, Brian. Now, again, I'm an optimist, right? I mean, I think people are, yeah, I mean, but but still, nobody cares about you. And the sales call is is not about you. So so if you feel uh, it's been a crappy day, right? The pigeon pooped on me while I was walking. <laughs> um, nobody cares, right? And, and, and so COVID brings with us, because this could be an interesting pivot into virtual, COVID brings this with us. A, t- a time of buyer uncertainty. Now, there's always buyer uncertainty. There was buyer uncertainty pre COVID, except it wasn't as pronounced or kind of smashed into this dense mass of buyer uncertainty. We need to understand our belief systems, we need to believe in our offerings, and we need to provide certainty to buyers because they struggle with the right decisions to make. I get that, right? We need to provide the path to help them feel certain that they're doing the right thing because selling is really a matter of changing beliefs. right? If my belief is, man, you would be so well served and you would get a 20X return on your investment if you and I worked together. I know I believe that. Meanwhile, you as the prospect believe, I don't know if I should do anything. I don't know if I should freeze. I don't know if I should hunker down. I don't know if I should wait this out. Selling's about changing beliefs. If if by the end of our conversations, whether it be one, two, three, nine, you believe what I believe, that this is the right thing to do now because it's a 20X return on investment and you can't afford to wait, you've been sold. If on the other hand, I leave those series of sales calls and think, I think it makes sense for the guy to wait. I mean, I wouldn't do it now if I was him either. Well, then you've been sold. Right. You know, because selling is about changing beliefs, and there's nothing wrong with that. You just better know what you believe. You better know what your prospective client believes, and then selling is about changing beliefs.
0: So let's go um, on changing beliefs. Let's talk about a belief that it's all about the relationship. And if I'm selling virtually, you know, I, I can't take people out. I can't take them to the ball game. I can't do the the the, the um, proverbial milk run. So how do we? have those relationships virtually?
1: Well, I think, I think, I think th- there's an assumption in your question that may be, may be flawed, uh, purposefully perhaps. Um, people buy relationships, right? All things being equal, people buy the relationship. All th- things being unequal, people buy the relationship. Uh, now, the challenge is people think relationships may be built on presence, on you being present right or or you taking them out to lunch which by the way is a good strategy but relationships are built on trust that's what they're built on i mean a lot of us in covid whether it be business related or personal related reconnected with family members old clients and reestablished some wonderful bounds of trust because we now share a common pain so the mindset is relationships are based upon trust not relationships are based upon presence uh, because again, when I first started teaching, pivoting from a virtual, uh, from a selling world to a virtual world, eight weeks ago, um, I said to myself, my clients need to know this, so I'm going to become an expert in it because this is going to be their life for the next eight, uh, next two months. Now, as of a week or two or three weeks ago, I say, hey, my clients need to know this, and they need to be the best in the world at this because this will be part of their life long term moving forward. Not to say we'll never have another lunch together but this will be part of your life moving forward. It's no longer, can we figure out the skills to be adequate for the next two months? That's not the answer. This is gonna be part of us. So we've gotta begin to think about building trust uh, because that's where relationships are built. So let's talk through that. How
0: How are some different ways that we can build trust?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're fundamentally different, but I do like the Zooms and the WebExes and the, and the, and the join-me's of the world. And you pick your go-to-meeting platforms. It doesn't, Teams, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, we're Zooming right now. Um, you know, there's a there's a study done by Gong, G-O-N-G, the, uh, the conversational intelligence company, uh, that said uh, uh, on an audio-only conference, 58% of the time, somebody is multitasking. It's only 4% in a video. It would be pretty hard for me to multitask during this interview, but if it right. was audio, I bet you I'm checking my emails. <laughs> you know. Well, thanks uh, for not doing that, John. Yeah. Hey, what are you so, looking at? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I, I, I think, I, 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 think there's a lot of ways. Uh, Salesforce got a really cool tool called the Relationship Builder, which, which again, one of my favorite phrases is, "You've got to find a way to do things that are personal, significant, and unexpected." In times of crisis, people don't hardly ever remember what you said, but they almost always remember how you made them feel, right? Go ahead. So yeah, I was just going to say, give us, give us those again. They need to be what? Personal? Significant and unexpected. So if you, Brian, send a, a, a message out to all your clients that says, EBS Growth cares about you in this time. Should you need anything, please do not hesitate to call. No one's going to hate you for it, um, but it's not going to get a whole lot of Juice, right? You know. On on the other hand, if, if, if I sent to Katie Whittington, uh, you know, uh, three activity books, right, to keep kids busy for only a half an hour, so that she can do something other than take care of those 474 kids that are whatever the number is. Like drink um, heavily. Yeah, well, that's an option too. <laughs> but but the, there's a difference between the, those, right? Something that's personal, significant, and unexpected. Personal means it can only be something that's done for you, right? Um, and and significant means significant to you. And unexpected is even greater. Those those are the ingredients of a super stroke, right? Because again, the one liner is people don't always remember how you what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. So you begin to think about how you can add value and how you can be personal, significant and unexpected. And, you know, one of the cool things is Sandler's got the care quadrant. You, you, you remember that's keep, attain, recapture, expand. Taking a look at your territory, your client base, keep, right, who does we want to retain because they're profitable, not a lot of new opportunity, but we sure don't want to lose the business. Attain would be new business, recapture is lost lines of business or old clients and expand as an existing client, expand. You know, one of the ways I say is you should be using your care cheat now on an every single day basis to think who specifically today or tomorrow, depending upon your planning horizon, am I reaching out to today in my keep attain, recapture and expand? How will I add value? How will I be personal, significant, unexpected? How will I be reaching out? You know, one of the things that uh, that's happened these days is uh, if, if you've got LinkedIn on your Android or your, or, or your iPhone, um, this is probably it's not it's not that old, but I've been teaching it now for maybe a month and a half. Is is I can find you can't do this on your computer, Brian, but I can find you. Uh, hit message, hit the plus sign to the left of message, hit video, and go. Hey, Brian, man, I I, I, I was just walking down in in Charleston and saw this. Really just cute family that had seven folks. I know it's less than what you, seven kids. I know it's less than what you have. Um, but I did think about you. It's been a while since we've connected. Uh, I know Pittsburgh's a little bit different than Charleston. Um, I just hope you're safe, hope you're sound. Um, reach out to be you. just cool to brainstorm how your clients are pivoting in this, in this world as well. Thanks, Bri. And that's, that's pers- it, took me, it took me 24 seconds. Right. And it's personal, significant, and unexpected. It's a video that came over LinkedIn. And that's, it's as easy as that. I mean, I'm not saying that's the only way, but that's a cool pack. Correct, so
0: there's a whole lot of, so what you're saying is you have to, almost like good financial management, you have to have a diversified uh, a way mm-hmm. to go forward. Um, so hitting on that care, you're using that care acrostic, so keep, attain, recapture, and expand. You're using that care acrostic almost as a daily planning. So. In a virtual world, how are we structuring our day? Maybe a little bit differently than if we had to jump in a car or we're jumping on airplanes, working
1: out of hotels. How's that work a little bit differently? Yeah, so I believe I believe a couple things. I believe trust uh, uh, relationships are built on trust, not not presence. Uh, you know, I believe that um, sales cycles can be significantly shorter in this time of COVID. Uh, I think you'll get more no's, but I think you'll have quicker yeses. Because time kills deals and things are shifting so rapidly. I believe that your clients, not yours, but you're the global audience clients, uh, they don't even know how decisions are made in their organizations now. So you've got to help them do that. I think you've got to make it quick and efficient and easy for the buyer. I think it's much easier to get to decision makers now than it ever was. I I'm had a sure. sale I had a sale on Thursday that I, pro- you know, you knew our sale. I mean, we would go visit someone and then we had a visit with he and the president and the whole thing would take six weeks. You know, not a bad deal. Six weeks is a pretty short sales cycle. Um, this was a 21-hour sales cycle. It was, a, it was a half an hour phone call on Tuesday with the founder. I would like to talk to my president and my CFO. Cool. Let's get him on a Zoom call tomorrow. Right? That <laughs> Zoom call was 21 hours later. And by the end of that Zoom call with our upfront contract, the agreement about what was going to take place, they became a client in 21 hours. I promise you that would have, he would have been traveling, she would have been traveling, I would have been traveling. It would have been the end of June. We finally got together and hopefully, uh, uh, you know, I would have brought you aboard, but it was a 21-hour cycle. Right. So I think I think using I think I think we have more time, not less time. Let me tell a story that I'll, I'll um, I've got a 72 year old client who sells for a medical packaging company. He is very good. He is very grouchy and grumpy and and and, and stodgy. I mean, I teach him and he resists um, not all the time, but um, but I'm yeah, I'm saying when I'm rich this. The world is changing. Yeah. You know, anyway, that was about two and a half weeks ago. Got a call from him on Tuesday that said, this is unbelievable. Um, I've got eight new meetings set up this week. In my old days, the max I could have ever done would have been three because one would have been in Boston. One would have been in New York. One would have been in Chicago. I'm flying from place to place because he's selling to Boston Scientific, Abbott Labs, all these. He's got eight new things set up. So nice. the ability to think through not only how you wanna manage your time. So I use that care uh, profile in three ways. On a monthly basis, I say segment your client base. Just segment it. By segmenting it, you're gonna have three to, three to six brain synapses where you're gonna identify new opportunities you hadn't thought of, done deal. On a weekly basis, take a look at your new activity-based success plan because you can no longer have conferences, trade shows, networking events, um, face-to-face calls, lunch events, on-site lunch and learns. You don't have those anymore. So take a look at your new activity-based success plan and plan out the week as to what's the 100% controllable, strategic and important, but not urgent pipeline building activities that you need to do in the keep, attain, recapture and expand quadrant. Put a time block next to them and put it on the calendar. Right. So, so, so I believe we've got more time. Is it true? It doesn't matter if it's true. I believe we have more time. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. And then, uh, so I, I the, let's hit that weekly piece real quick. So by me doing virtual, everything's happening more quickly. Everything's changing on an hourly basis. Uh, I mean, it seems like an hourly basis. Yeah, that, like yeah. So in the old days, so what, what John's talking about there, we, we'd call it a, uh, you would call it a, 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 what am I talking about that recipe the cookbook thank you cookbook. so we took call it a cookbook and then um, so that cookbook would last months and if not quarters and what you 're talking about is that needs to adjust every single week because everything 's changing so quickly
1: that 's okay. right it 's it's, it's, it's a weekly it 's a weekly cookbook i mean it 's everything 's got to become compressed in this time. And it really is helpful to do the monthly segmentation, three to six brain synapses, the weekly activity-based success cookbook, your recipe for success, time blocking it, then taking that time block and putting it on your calendar. The other thing you need to put on your calendar is prep time, because I used to be able to prep on my drive to Indiana, PA, you know, or to uh, Somerville, Charleston, South Carolina. Now I don't have that anymore. I got meeting after meeting and without prep time, worse foods and you've got to be able to put buffer time after each meeting because if I'm meeting with Brian and this meeting is going well and I've got Jimmy at uh, two o'clock, I, I got to rush off. So you got to be able to put some buffer time in. I have never booked a lunch time in t- my 36 years of working. now I book lunch times. Yeah. You know, I, you know I, I've, never, I've never booked, uh, uh, you know, because again, lunch could have been wherever. Uh, now, uh, I always had, not always, but, but, you know, you, you and I've talked, I'm a fan of the book Atomic Habits, right? Atomic Habits being, you know, let your environment work for you, right? Have cues and triggers uh, and habit stacks, right? Let one thing lead to another. And I've got a very defined um habit stack or regimen that happens in the morning before eight o'clock. I don't check my email until eight and I've got a whole bunch of things going on. I've got journaling, I've got Bible reading, I've got developmental reading, I've got two in-mails that I'm being sent. I got a whole lot of things going on, but I never had an evening ritual because my evening would have, would have been uh, landing in Pittsburgh at 10 30 at night, right? In a hotel in Newark at eight 30 at night, driving to the airport at four forty AM in Charleston. Um, but now, right? I have, I, have, I have an evening ritual. I never closed my laptop. Now I close my laptop, yeah. right? Now I have a chance to take out my care sheet and think about who tomorrow will I be reaching out in the keep, attain, recaptured, expand? How will I add value to their lives and how will I be reaching out to them? It's, it's wonderfully, it's wonderfully comf- comforting in that regard. And, and you know, it brings results and results bring confidence,
0: Yeah, and and to go back to what you were talking earlier with the personalized, significant, and unexpected, one thing that John really does well and one thing that I would really encourage all all, all those listening is – that he's constantly learning and constantly figuring out how to give what he's learned away. So he's never been one that was stingy on knowledge, stingy on what he knows, because in the old days that knowledge was precious and we'd hold it. But one thing that John has always done has been really open handed with that knowledge and giving it away. And from that you grew because by you, you saying it, you ended up doing it and going back to your authentic self, you live this stuff out because you didn't want to be caught as a fraud
1: yeah I think I think one of the things I, I preach and teach uh internally into the Sandler world is anytime you learn something and you learn a lot from your clients right i mean i didn't I didn't I don't know how I discovered the the uh the phone only video message but one of my clients probably told me and then I said uh, every time I learn something that I think is good I don't want to forget it um And, and so, so I, I tell folks and I tell myself, I'm going to teach it. If you want to be good at something, teach it. Right. So then I teach it three times within the next week. By that time I own it. Right. I mean, I can almost wake up in the middle of the night and get it done because I, I own it on that side. Um, so it's, it, it is, it's a, it's a fun way to be able to go and it keeps you young. Again, I think about myself as a possibility thinker as a 50, I don't know what I am, 58 ish. Um, I'm a much more possibility thinker now than I would have been at 18, which seems odd. I just believe it's just easier to think about um, possibilities. And what can come true is that world is that oyster and world is a lot more open now than even when I was a wide eyed kid.
0: So uh, uh, wholeheartedly, and and the beautiful thing is there's nothing new under the sun and with your wealth, I mean, you should see all the books that John's read and he's one a speed reader and I swear you have a photographic memory so you never forget anything. Um, So that wealth of knowledge and nothing new under the sun, you just figure out different ways of of patching it, packaging it and bringing it to light in new situations it seems.
1: Yeah, I think, think, uh, listen, not everyone's a reader, uh, but everyone should be a learner. Right? I mean, everyone should be a learner. I don't care if that means you're sitting on online training. Uh, if you're listening to audiobooks, if you're reading the book, everyone's got different modalities and everybody got different levels of genius. But I think when you get good at a certain core area, then I think it's kind of like the matrix, right? Everything slows down and you can see where everything fits. So when you learn something that really is, um, applicable, it kind of fits. It's it like fits within the gears because you've got all that other supporting knowledge and expertise. And I think that's, that really is where, where that value is then squared and cubed and beyond. So, yeah.
0: So then to, to bring this back to, to, to the virtual world, then it's nothing new under the sun. Let's, let's just say that. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, we have relationships built on trust. We have, um, our ex- ability to execute through all the knowledge and the learning that we've been doing that is self-development. It's execution, having a plan and then executing the plan. Um, why don't we maybe slip down to a couple of tactics? So as we're as we're selling virtually, what are maybe some different tactics that we might employ um, to be effective in this type of environment?
1: Yeah, I think the overarching war, uh, lessons don't change, right? You've got to build trust. You've got to build comfort. You've got to build credibility, right? You've got to develop equal business stature. Um, all those things don't change, right? So, so but the medium changes, which means you can't get lazy or relaxed, right? So. I was good in quotes good, you know if I was good and I had a chance to meet you face to face and I had a firm handshake right i mean i 'm just making this up right um, you know and I, it, it, nowadays you know we're not we're not shaking virtual i mean we might be shaking virtual hands, but i can 't tell if your handshake is so so even little things here's an example of little tips in facilitating a zoom meeting right one of the things let's assume this was a this was a uh, a Zoom sales call, I'll go in role play if you will. Sure. Um, but one of the first things that has to happen is I've gotta, I've gotta make sure you know the technology because if you don't, you're uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, you're not listening. And different people use different technologies. So I will say something, now I'll go enroll. Let's pretend there's five of us on, just to pretend. Um, It would sound like, uh, again, everyone, appreciate you all coming on. Uh, I think I know Brian, I don't know if I know the rest of you, but really thanks for for being here. Hey, we're using Zoom today. This is kind of the new normal for a lot of us. I'm new at it myself. Falling on the sword, but a little nice. bit of vulnerability, right? Yeah. But, but I, I know I'm new at it myself, so, so I struggled a little bit to get started. Some of you may be wizards at this, but just if you want to make your life easy, if you can find a little green floating bar and you hover over it, you'll sort of see the icons. To the left is mute, and you can mute and unmute. Just give it a shot now to unmute and mute, and right next to that is video. You know, and I'll take them through where participants are and where chat is. I'll ask them to launch chat. You know, launch your chat now and just say hi. You know, because uh, I'm gonna. I, a lot of times, I find with a meeting this large of five or six people, it's easy to get my attention if you chat. So, uh, don't be afraid to unmute either. But I'll give them a little bit of that, and, and you know, and then I'll say something like this as well. Uh, and, and because again, if they're if they're focusing on the intimidation of the technology, they're not focusing on the conversation. Right. And and, and, and if they're worried about their kids or dogs who are going to bark, I I I say, listen. Again, we're all, we're all adapting to this. Um, I've been fortunate that I've got four kids and they're healthy, but they're not home. They're older. Uh, (laughs) That's not true with all of you. So if a dog barks or a kid comes in and sits on your lap, I had someone, a VP of sales, nine people on a team. his four-year-old son came, jumped in his lap so cute. Uh, The challenge was he was wearing a shirt, but no pants. (laughs) And we're recording. I'm like, John, we're recording. So if it happens, don't worry about it. It's okay. There's no, don't worry about it. Just hit video, stop video if you want. Um, And and so I'll go over a couple of ground rules, including ground rules like this. Um, It's also a little bit of an unusual format. It's kind of like listening to the radio where we're a little uncomfortable with silences. So I'm going to ask questions every once in a while where you might feel like you have to answer, but you don't. As an example, when I share the agenda for today's call, um, I'm going to ask something like, does this make sense to everybody? Do you want to add any thing. If the answer is no, just stay silent. It's, it's going to feel like an eternity, but don't worry about it. It's okay. It's the easiest thing. And then when I have a specific question, if you don't mind, I'll probably facilitate the discussion. Because if I say, what do you like, guys? Do you like alternative A or alternative B? And I ask it to the five people, nobody speaks because they don't want to talk over each other, so no one speaks. And then there's six seconds of uncomfortable silence, and then they all kick in. Right. So it's much easier to say, when I do that, I'm going to say, hey, listen, I, I, if I ask you a question about what alternative do you think you like better, alternative B or A, uh, Brian, I'm going to come to you first, Jim, you second, Sean, you third. Um, it's just a way for me to facilitate the conversation. So going over even ground rules like that are very, very effective ways to start.
0: So beautiful. So let's, let's give, um, you know, with the Sandler training in the background there, let's give those two tactics that you use there. So what I'm picking mean? up that
1: okay, not okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, if we want, if we want, if we want to name them, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's okay, not okay. And okay, not okay simply means you are responsible if you're in charge of the meeting to have other people feeling okay. Because if you make them feel not okay, they either want to fight or flee. And yeah. when they're fighting or fleeing, they're taking their wallet with them right? So that doesn't help. The other one is setting good upfront contracts, right? Setting the ground rules. In fact, if I got five people on a screen, I might even say, uh, uh, listen, and and again, I know know these meetings are running as they should, shorter than if we were face-to-face, so we've got 30 minutes today. Um, I may forget to ask a question that I should have asked. If that happens, is anybody uncomfortable if I reach out separately to get clarification? no, no, that's fine. Now I have the ability to reach out to every single one of those five people individually and form a stronger bond, stronger form trust, find out are they a supporter or a detractor. And I get a chance to even in my ground rules to say, you know, our purpose for the meeting is X. At the end, um, what I found to be helpful, tell me if you're comfortable with this, is to just be able to go around the room virtually and just take your temperature as to whether or not uh, today resonated. We hit the mark or missed the mark on what we were looking to accomplish. And, And again, I'm not looking to miss the mark, but if we do, and I don't think we will, it's going to be important that you share that with me. So I'll take a couple of minutes at the end just to go around the virtual room, take your temperatures, and now you've got the ability to sort of isolate. Do you have a detractor to sort of figure out how you get good clear next steps, all based upon facilitating it in a Zoom or a WebEx sort of meeting. So
0: just so hopefully, what everybody's picking up from this, and, and this is where John is masterful, is the subtlety of leading without them knowing. It's it's mutual control, but it's it's leading by guiding as opposed to leading through aggressive aggressiveness. It's assertive. Not aggressive. It's leading as a guide, as opposed to pushing as a lead. So all subtle nuances. Would
1: I don't want to? Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's I think it's accurate. I think I think one of the things. Buyers are looking for certainty. They don't know what to do. So I'm making some suggestions. You have veto power, right? If I say, can I make a suggestion? Maybe it makes sense to take the last couple of minutes to sort of just go around the virtual room and just take each of your temperatures as to how you feel about this and whether or not you think we hit the Mr. Mark. They could say, no, you're not allowed to do that. All right, I got it. (laughs) But I'm I'm leading, I'm making a suggestion and and sort of providing, because oftentimes people don't know how to buy what you're selling they don't know how to buy what you're selling. So you sorta of gotta help them through that. And third party stories is, is, is another great, I mean, in, in the age of COVID, third party stories are always great, but a third party story is where you offer social proof how others who are similar to them in their industry have pivoted in this time to be effective. So again, um, you know, as an example, you're never wrong with a third party story. If, if Listen, I, John, I wanna to wait to normal returns. I get a chance to meet you where you are, and I say, no worries, Brian, if that's the right thing you sh- to do, you should do it. The only reason w- why I was thinking otherwise is a lot of folks have sort of hit me up at this time, saying they're not so sure when normal's gonna return, and while they, why they have their people captive for a while, right, home, it's a good time really to build some skills and to find a way to leverage and bring some deals in early. That may not be the case with you, but that's what we're hearing out there. Resonate it all for you? And again, offering that social proof for a third-party story is another way to provide some certainty. Now, they may say, no, it doesn't resonate. That's okay. Yeah. No worries. But third-party stories are a great way to influence in the time of COVID. Love I'll give it. you one more thing, and then I'll be quiet. <laughs> COVID has also liberated us. It's not anybody's friend, but it may be the single best pretense to ask really good questions. Because in the old days, putting on my fake sales voice, uh, if I was a salesperson face-to-face with a fake sales voice, I would say, well, Brian, let me ask you this. If this project (laughs) doesn't succeed, how does that make you feel? But now I could be legit, right? I mean, hey, Brian, let me ask you this. In this time of COVID where things are changing so rapidly, where we're not so sure what the future is, you're still on the hook to provide those results. If this project didn't succeed, if it doesn't succeed, where does it leave you? I mean, how how would that make you feel? Is empathy, what went from a selling technique is now empathy in the time of COVID. So don't squander it, because it allows us to go deeper. And our prospects are wearing t-shirts, not suits. People are more casual.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I love that. There's so much in there. So, again, grab his book, uh, meet up with John. Crossback so the away. Grab it, grab it, grab it. So, um, so what else? Other uh, As we're winding down on time here, and I can't thank you enough. I mean, this has just been gold, gold, gold. Um, what other maybe final quick tr- tips and tricks should people really be aware of from virtual? So, the one thing that you showed me, so... That doesn't happen. Uh, w- one thing that you shared with me
1: was what? You don't see that happening with me, do you? No, how, John? No, no. I, you know, it's, it's so funny. Uh, uh, so so yeah, what I have is, is is a green screen. Now a green screen doesn't mean it's a green screen. You literally can buy a piece of green felt and get it shipped or go to Joanne Fabrics or, or take a green sheet and just hang it on your wall. It doesn't have to be unwrinkled or anything, but uh, on places like Zoom, If you don't have that uh, 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 green screen, you're going to have, Brian, what you have is that sort of a lot of people who have no idea who Max Headroom is, but, you know, because we're older, but, you know, you sort of lose that, you got that video sort of shaky image in. Uh, so, so yeah, little things like that. And, and again, I, you know, in, in places like Zoom, you can add your background. Uh, you didn't need to do that because you've got a beautiful office there, Brian, but some people, Thank put, you. yeah, uh, but, I, but I'll often put the client logo in the back, you know, and I, I start with my logo and then I'll, and then I, in, in a sales call, I just my 21-hour sales call, I put I put the guys the logo in the back, but I started with mine. I said, "Let me look. Let me give you an example. This technique is called, it's actually called pandering, you know." <laughs> and then I put up his logo. He's like, "That's cool." I'm like, "Listen, it's pandering, right?" Whatever but, it takes. <laughs> but even that is a lot of fun. It's likability. Again, and my, my one of my mantras is likability because people do business with people they like, uh, relevant. I got to make what we teach relevant to you so that you can get your 20 X return on investment and consistent. I've got to be consistently good all the time. And I've got to help you and your team to be consistent, to be the 10 Xers of the world, to be the people who can change that world and and bring 10 times more value.
0: I love it. So what's the future hold then, John? I mean, you've been in this a couple of days. What do you see the future of sales, holding business development and and business overarching and, and scaling?
1: Um, I don't know, my hope is this. I don't see this going any a, a, away anytime soon. Yeah. I think I think the blessing is customers have been forced, I don't know if that's the right word, to start to learn how to Zoom in WebEx. So it wouldn't be so unusual, even let, let's project four months from now and pretend we're seeing customers face-to-face, because I think we will. But it wouldn't be so unusual then to say, well, this I'll tell you what, that was a good meeting. Um, I know calendars are probably tight and uh, Brian's probably traveling. Why don't we set up a quick uh, web call? By the way, I call them web calls because some people in the old days are intimidated by video call Uh, web. You've been using the web since 1997 call. You've been making phone calls since 1903. Right. So, so I'll send send you an invite for a web call, right? I don't have to say zoom. I don't have to say WebEx. I don't, I'll send you an invite to a web call. It's a nice, easy thing. So I think, I think what I see the future as being a good, collaboration of these, and I think we've got the ability to use some of the skills we had now to be able to get to decision makers quicker, to be able to get turnaround times quicker, to be able to add that sense of urgency that was so specific, because we all understand COVID time kills deals, but when COVID's gone, time still kills deals. Yeah, absolutely. So the ability to sort of use what we're learning now and bring it even into the face-to-face environment and then not ignore the virtual environment because it's going to speed some decisions is key.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So John Rosso from Sandler Training, who should reach out to you? How should they go about reaching out to you and why should they Why should they uh, contact you?
1: Yeah, so so I'll start with how, right? So you can certainly email me at John, J-O-H-N dot Rosso, R-O-S-S-O at Sandler, rcom Our website is uh, uh, performance.sandler.com, P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E dot Sandler.com. Lots of white papers. We've got one right now on how to construct effective emails, because even in Emails, you know, how do you how do you schedule the how do you put the right call to action? And one of the things we're teaching Brian is, is you know, I know some people are heads down, focused on uh, just keeping the ship afloat. Others are open to up. Br- others are open to connecting and brainstorming how people in their industry have pivoted at this time to come out stronger. Who, who doesn't want to brainstorm, right? Yeah. So we've got some good white papers there as well. Um, I, you know, I think I, I think you ought to reach out to us if you are a salesperson, if you are a sales uh, manager, if you touch the customer in any way, if you're a business owner, if you're a chief revenue officer, someone who believes you want to build a team of 10 Xers. You want to build a team who, 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 my vision is to how do we help you build a best in industry and a best in class Salesforce? How do we touch the people and help the people who are touching your customers so that both of you succeed at greater in greater heights than you ever thought you could?
0: Yeah and uh you know from the best rated speaker down in Sandler Schools. um gobs of gobs of experience, unbelievably good guy. If, uh, you know, if you didn't pick up on that, we'll make an introduction for you to John Rosso. So John, as always, great stuff. I really appreciate it. i glad you're healthy and well. And Thanks so much for coming on and joining us.
1: Thank you, Brian. My pleasure. We'll do it
0: again sometime. Thanks. I look forward to it. Thanks.